This is Bob Atcroft. This is my podcast, Be Real Now. Thanks so much for tuning in to our second episode. We're going to get to the show in a moment. Before we do, I want you to do me a little favor. Wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, whether it's Apple or Spotify, make sure you subscribe because I don't want you to miss out on the next few episodes. So I want to share a quote I've been thinking about. It's by Henry David Thoreau. It's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. Today, I have a very special guest, Father Joseph Sika. Father Sika is a cancer survivor. He's a priest for over 38 years. He's encouraged and helped families with entertainment and ideas, always making us feel better about ourselves and God. He's ministered in hospitals as a chaplain, taught in high schools, and is a author of several books. Father Sika, thank you for coming today. Honored to be here with you, Bob. Okay. So tell us a little bit about uh, ministering for 38 years as a priest. I, as I said, ordained a priest 38 years, and uh, my first assignment was in, in Carbondale, Pennsylvania. And then from Carbondale, uh, after about a year, I got involved in the teaching ministry, which took me out to the Poconos, Pocono Central Catholic High School. The high school closed, and I was sent then to Bishop O'Hara in Dunmore, and uh, after being in schoolwork for about 12 years, I then became a parish priest again. I went to Tunkhannock as a pastor, and then uh, Holy Rosary in North Scranton, and then I, I got back in teaching again at your alma mater, Bishop Hannon. And from that point on, I got him. I took a sabbatical for a year. That's when I wrote the book Embracing Change, mm -hmm. and then I uh, got involved in hospital ministry for a dozen years. And now I'm back in parish ministry. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, that's a long time uh, teaching in high schools. Yes. And what an influence it has. You know, the other day I saw a teacher and I said to her, as she said, you know, I'm a school teacher. I felt like it was, I owed her gratitude. I said, thank you for your service because mm -hmm. I realized that teaching, just like a priest, makes such an impact on children today. It does. And I, I discovered over all the years of teaching that you maintain a lot of relationships with your students. Uh, I was at a uh, basketball game the, the other night where we gave a, a check to the American Cancer Society from the, a roast they had yeah. for me. And the basketball coach there, uh, Tony Battaglia, introduced me to his son. And he said uh, to his son, uh, father taught me in high school. And you realize, geez, when you're a teacher, the age is the same in the classroom, but you're getting older and older. But you form some very, very great relationships. Uh, you do their weddings. You do their kids' baptisms. And, and sometimes you do a, a funeral for a student wow. or for parents. Yeah, that's so got to be hard. Very hard. But teaching was very rewarding. And I think you, you learn yourself as a teacher from students because kids are real. Yeah. They're genuine. They're not phony. They put it out there. They tell you the way it is. And you learn from them. And you're involved in their life. You go to the basketball games, the football games, the wrestling, debate, forensic, mock trial, uh, the proms, and, and you're with them. Sometimes they wait for you in the morning in your office, and, and they're crying because things weren't going well at home at night. So you do ministry as a priest there. Wow. Or the boyfriend set us over with, the girlfriend set us over with. They didn't get accepted into the college they wanted to go to. They got cut from the basketball team. So you deal with all the gamut of human emotions, yeah. uh, and the school becomes your parish. You know, I'll tell you what, I have the privilege of being a coach for about a dozen years, 6th, uh, 7th, and 8th grade, and I'll tell you one quick short story. 
as a cross country coach, we had a talented group of kids at St. Paul School. And I remember I learned early in the season that one of my eighth grade boys was actually being bullied. Mm -hmm. So I called all the kids together and I said, you know, I forgot to tell you kids, we have one rule in order to be on this team. If you don't follow this one rule, you're no longer on the right. team. Doesn't matter who your parents are. Doesn't matter how good you are. You're off the team. No questions asked. No bullying. And they knew exactly who was being bullied. Well, the very next race, all our kids uh, gathered together toward the end of the race. And uh, I remember the coaches asking me, Coach, everybody in? All your runners in? Because it was about 23 minutes in a two-mile race, and they certainly should have been. But I said to the other coaches, no, I have one more boy, an eighth-grade boy. He always finishes. He will. He'll be along shortly. And just after I said that, the group of sixth, seventh, and eighth grade boys, unprompted by me, mm -hmm. built like a human chute. And as he crossed toward the finish line, they all clapped. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and cheered his name. That's and that wonderful. night, his parents called and said, hey, what went on? He's so happy. He's, he's never had anything like it. You know, and the kids thought of that themselves. And that one moment could change his life forever. Absolutely. Because he realized he mattered, he was important. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Father... Tell me a little about, about your experience battling cancer. Now, you learned you had cancer perhaps this past October. Is October, that right? yeah. I was uh, coming back from a cruise, and uh, I had to go to Youngstown, Ohio, to do a retreat for permanent deacons. And I, about Monday or Tuesday of that week, I just felt a pain in my side. I thought, man, maybe I pulled a muscle unloading luggage or something. So I went down to the regional hospital. The doctor gave me a CAT scan. And he came in and said, you didn't pull any muscle. We found a malignant tumor in your bladder the size of a grape. I wouldn't see my family physician. Then he put me in touch with Dr. Donald Prie Jr., who took out the tumor successfully, but it was malignant. Then I had to undergo, uh, at Moses Taylor, six weeks of immunotherapy, which is a bladder wash to prevent the cancer from uh, reoccurring. Wow. But no more than yourself or any other one who's listening who has cancer who has survived cancer, when you hear those words, cancer, tumor, malignant therapy, your whole world stops. Yeah. You know, everything that you're worried about isn't all that important. Yeah. The big stuff doesn't matter. The small stuff doesn't matter. What matters now is, am I going to make it? Like it or not, we all have that idea that cancer is a death sentence. Mm -hmm. It's over with. Uh, but I'm cancer-free right now. And what cancer has taught me is... Uh, I know it sounds trite, but don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Keep small stuff small. Don't worry about the big stuff. Don't worry about what people think about you. Don't make yourself over to have people like you. Don't have all those unimagined worries and fears. Because in the end, that stuff doesn't matter. It's a wake-up call. And the wake-up call for me was live life. Because you see things differently. When you see people arguing over trivia stuff, you want to say, stop it already. Yeah. Come on, life is too short, too precious. I mean, the next breath's not guaranteed. Leanne Womack has that wonderful song, Don't Take One Single Breath for Granted. Yes. But we live as if we have forever. You know, I, that's why I love what the remarkable actor Michael Landon said to his wife, Cindy, who he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He said, we should be told by God that they were born, they were going to die. Maybe we would never miss any opportunity to live life, and tell people when their eyes are opened, I love you. I appreciate you. Because there's no guarantee. I mean, this could be somebody's last Wednesday. The next breath isn't guaranteed. But to take life, that's what I learned to live it. I mean, when you hear those words, those three words, you 
have cancer. I mean, you stop and say, and I've heard it so many times as a hospital chaplain, I was there when a doctor was going to go in and say, I have to tell this gentleman now the brain, the lining of his brain brain is all filled with cancer. And you, you, you look at them and you realize they can't hear, they can't believe those words. No. They can't wrap their head around it. Some of them get very angry. You know, why didn't I take better care of myself? I should have came to the doctor earlier. Then some of them get into that whole bargaining. Well, am I going to have six months? Am I going to have a year? Will I be here five years from now? Guarantee me I'll go to my daughter's wedding. And so I've seen some people become very depressed. Uh, but eventually you, you come to the point where you have it. But don't stop living. That's why I love what Coach Jimmy Valvano says. Cancer can rack my body and give me pain, but it can't take away my attitude to laugh, to love, to be happy, and to smile. An attitude, I always say, you know, it's the one string that we determine the tune that we're going to play. That's right. That's right. That's you right. Know, have, you may as well have a positive attitude. That's right, because uh, p- people with negative attitudes, they don't live as long as people with positive attitudes. And that's a medical fact. Yeah, it's a medical yeah. Positive people, they live longer because they, yeah. they, they, they see the silver lining. They see the rainbow. And they say, you know, okay, I have cancer. What am I going to do about it now? You can't sit home and cry about it all day. No. And, and you have to get on living, whether it's three months, four months. I remember a woman said that. Hey, the doctor told me I had six months. I said, what are you going to do? I'm going to live six months. I'm going to do stuff I never did before. I was afraid of doing. I was hesitant to do it. I'm going to do it now. That's what's important take life and live it now because tomorrow's not guaranteed right right you know i remember one of your your sermons when you speak of that and you talk about the reason they call it present present is because it's it's a present yes yeah, again i i believe every day we get up god says here it is 1440 minutes 24 hours 60 minutes you can choose to live it or not live it that's why two favorite movies of mine are uh shawshank redemption Randy Dufresne says to Red, it all comes down to one thing, Red, get busy living or get busy dying. A lot of people sleepwalk through life, Bob, and when a doctor says the heart muscle's too weak, the cancer has spread, then they realized I could have lived, I should have lived. Why did I put things off? I should have taken that trip to Italy. I should have done this. I should have done that. Why didn't I do it? Another movie I love and hopefully you've, you've seen it is Field of Dreams. Oh, I love that movie. Where Ray yeah. Ray heard, if you build it, he will come, go the distance, ease his pain. And there's a great scene in there when he's sitting down with Archibald Moonlight Graham, played by Burt Lancaster, yeah. the doctor. And he says this, you know, Ray Consala, some of life's most significant moments happen and we get sidetracked and we miss them. And we think there'll be another moment, but that was the moment. That was the time. So seize it. And that's what cancer taught me. Cancer mm. taught me. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Yesterday's in the books. This day I've never seen before. So I have to have the right attitude to take it and live it. And not give people permission to come into my head with all the gloom and doom. Oh, you have cancer. Do you have your your last will and testament uh, written out? What are you going to do? How are you going to go? I'm going to live right now. I remember visiting a cancer patient the hospital and all the family was going on and on and on. She, she said, Hey, I'm not dead yet. Don't talk as if I'm dead. I'm still alive. I'm not dead. And so, <laughs> but we treat it as if it's a death sentence. Oh, the poor priest has cancer. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, and what? Well, I'm not dead yet. No, you know, it's interesting. I know myself uh, when I was at uh, Sloan in New York City, 
uh, going through chemotherapy. And I was out in New York for three months. Uh, at that point, I was now 20 pounds lighter than I am right now. I was bald and I was pretty sickly looking. Mm-hmm. But my attitude, thank God I was blessed with an attitude of gratitude. Positive attitude. You're, but then you have that attitude. You mean, it comes from your father and mother. Your father, yeah. Look at your father. He had that perseverance, that determination. Yeah. He built an empire with Krispy Kreme. Yeah, he and sure he, did. And he worked and he worked and he worked and he worked. And no one told me he couldn't do it. Yeah. If it did, he did it anyway. Absolutely. I remember one thing on my dad's desk in our basement. It was a, two wooden blocks held together by a copper hinge. Uh-huh. And embossed in black ink, on top of what were the words, the secret to success. So obviously, you know, you open that up and think, what's going to be in here? And hard work was printed out. Yeah, a friend of mine has a plaque in his office that says that the only place where success comes for work is in the dictionary. Yeah. And your father was successful because he worked. And that generation, really, if they taught us one thing, it's... It's how to work. Yeah, yeah. How to know, be committed. Yeah, I, I know a guy who's got a lot of money, and someone said to him, you're lucky. He said, you're right. The harder I work, the luckier I become. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about those books. You've read several books, some of which are bestsellers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished up The uh, Forgiveness, One Step at a Time. Mm-hmm. I have on my mantle the Lenten books, yes. the Avon books. Uh, the first one I was embracing change about if you're not happy with your life, change it. Not happy with your relationship, change it. If you're not happy with the adversity, do something about it. Make changes because change is something we can always do. Because I remember Dr. Leo Boscalia saying, we shouldn't go to bed the same way we wake up in the morning. How have I changed throughout the day? If I'm still doing the same thing every day, it becomes boring and routine. Put a little change into it. Embrace the change to grow spiritually and emotionally. Uh, don't do things the way they always were. You know, cause people say, we've always done it this way, or it has to always be done that way, or we're not going to change anything. When you change, you stop living, and eventually you die. And forgiveness, I think that's the greatest gift that we have because forgiveness is that I'm not going to be owned by someone who's damaged my life. If they have said something to me or done something to me, I have a choice. I can forgive them or I can become their prisoner. I can have them live in my head and rent space and fill me with anger, resentment, bitterness, or hatred, or I can forgive them. And here's where the confusion comes in, Bob. People think forgiveness is reconciliation. It's not. Forgiveness is for me. I don't want to be owned by someone. I don't want to carry that memory around forever that it just haunts me. Reconciliation is you can't come back into my life until you change. You can't hit me anymore. You got to stop drinking. You can't lie. You can't manipulate. You got to stop gambling. I got to see change in your behavior before I bring you back in my life. And so then my my, uh, Lenten books are basically just a reflection every day on something positive, Mm. how to deal with adversity how to deal with fear, how to deal with problems, not judging people, mm-hmm. living life the best we possibly can. Because that's all we have. That's why I say you, you take the word life, L-I-F-E, apart. It means live it fully every day. Wow. Because in my own faith life, and I've learned this after 37 years, God's not worried about the fancy car, the big house, but he's going to ask us one simple question. What did you do with the life I gave you? 
Mm. Other words, how did I take my life and show kindness to people? Uh, our theme this year in our church is be kind to strangers because maybe you're going to encounter and entertain an angel. Wow. Because you never know who people are when they come and ask for help. Yeah. Uh, you know, Father, can I talk? Father, you have a few minutes. Yeah. I believe in my, my faith life, that could be God sending me an angel to see if I'm living out that gospel I preach every Sunday. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, to the least of our brothers, that, right. that hymn is constantly repeated in my mind. Yeah, whatsoever you do. Do unto me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, we're going to, I mean, I believe in my faith and your faith too. We're going to be held accountable. Yeah. Why did you do this? Yeah. You could have done something. You know, and that whole parable of the sheep and the goats, it's not so much what they didn't do, it's what they could have done but didn't do. If I know somebody's hurting, why am I reaching out to them? I know someone's going through a bad time, why not reach out to them? I know someone's having some trouble, some anxiety, reach out to them. Not just pass them by, but like the Good Samaritan, get down on that ditch and stay with them and help them and check in on them every now and then. I, I can't agree more as a uh, person who has just gone through what I did with cancer. Uh, one of the most enriching times was when people reached out, mm -hmm. picked up the phone, That's sent right. a card, and told me they were thinking of me, praying for me. That actually made me feel so much better. Yeah, because you know what? We're all in this together. We were just a little more advanced than most people. Someone's always got the tragedy heartache, hassle, pain, troubles are going to come to people in one way or another. It's inevitable. But how I respond to all that stuff, that's my choice. And if I got somebody who cares about me, who reaches out, then whatever life throws at me, I can get up and build it again and again and again and walk away. That's why I love the story of Rabbi Harold Kushner tells in his book, uh, When All You Ever Wanted Is Enough, about a young boy and a young girl on a beach building a sandcastle. They worked hard on it all day. As they're working, the water's moving closer and closer until a wave comes and smashes it and drags all their creation away. Nothing is left. The little boy and little girl were up, this, up the beach laughing and kicking up sand. And Rabbi Kushner says, here's the story. Everything in life is built on sand. Power, popularity, wealth, fame, prestige, all, even good health can be taken away in an instant. You've seen it, I've seen it. Mm -hmm. But if you've got somebody's hand to hold, someone you can run to, you can walk away and rebuild again and again and again. Because they say to you, I can't make your cancer go away, but I'm here to help you. You want to cry? Go ahead and cry. When you get angry, get it angry. I'm here to walk the journey with you. And you know what that really comes down to is the lesson I learned is love. Love, absolutely. Yeah, because love puts the, because love puts our need aside and helps other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And with that, uh, love is, uh, you know, it, when I think of the word nourishment for myself, I used to always just think of eating right. But really, nourishment is also what you take in. Sure, because... Into your mind. Yeah, be, yeah because, you know, your body, our body craves for f food, air, water, but our souls also have a hunger for meaning. Do I matter? Do I have a purpose? Am I important? Who cares about me? And and how do how do I look at my life and say I'm a somebody? Mm -hmm. And how do how do I nourish my soul 
and not starve my soul and put my soul on a starvation diet, but nourish my heart. Because our bodies, we know, we don't have air, food, water. We can die. And our souls can die too. Yeah. I mean, to, to reach the point of death and realized I could have lived, but I didn't live. I worried about what people thought about me. I crossed a bridge before I got to it. I let fear and anxiety and worry clutter my head. I had all of these unimagined problems that never took place. And life is right there saying, live it fully every day. That's why I always tell people, read the classical novel, a play, Our Town. That last scene where Emily comes back from the dead and she asks the stage manager, does anybody ever appreciate life when they live it? He said, no, just some saints and some poets. Then Emily says, oh, earth, oh, life, you're too wonderful for anyone to imagine. How I took for granted moonlight, sunrises, sunset, mama's freshly ironed dress, baked apple pie, mm. root beer floats, reading, writing, and arithmetic. The time to live is right now. As Michael Landon said to his wife, we should be told the day we're born, they're going to die. May we would never miss any chance of living life and telling people, I love you, I appreciate you, I forgive you. You make a difference in my life, and I'm grateful that you're in my life. And, and I'll tell you this, the one thing that I've really noticed with myself, I, I feel so much more compelled to tell people, I love you. I used to have kind of a reluctance to say those words, no more. Well, because there's no guarantee your wife's going to be here tomorrow. I mean, she most likely will, or even yeah. an hour from now. Right. The next breath's not guaranteed. So, you know, uh, I, always, I always ask couples, if you can give any advice to a young couple getting married, what would you tell them? And 99% say this, tell them never go to bed mad. Even if they had a fight or an argument, at least say, hey, I'm sorry. Let's not be mad at each other. Mm -hmm. Something can happen at night mm -hmm. and you live with all that guilt. And that's great advice. Don't go to bed mad at each other. It reminds me of a joke I heard the other day. And it was something like this. A husband and wife were arguing the night before. And all of a sudden it came to, they weren't speaking to each other for that next hour. And the husband realized that he had to get up at 5 a.m. to catch a flight. And his wife always woke up early. So he, rather than speak, he wrote his wife a note. Honey, wake me up at 5 a.m. I have an early morning flight to catch. The next morning he wakes up, it's 9 a.m. He's ready to scream and yell at his wife. And he looks over at the bedstand and there's a note. Honey, it's 5 a.m. Yeah. That's a great story. <laughs> I like that. I've used that story. <laughs> I may have read it in one of your books. <laughs> I used that story for the, on the silent treatment. I think I did. I yeah, think I yeah, did read it in one yeah. of your books. He had a flight to Chicago. Honey, yeah. it's 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> that is something. So tell me a little bit about 38 years as a Catholic priest in parish life, because we see so many churches in the area all of a sudden consolidate. You know, I remember them. There was a church at, at every single every block. Sing, every single block, every single nationality. You know, I went to the Italian church. They went to the Polish church, yeah. the German church, the Lithuanian church. Now it's different. The church is different now. And I think what has changed in the church in the last uh, 20 years is the meltdown that happened in Boston yeah. where the priests were accused of molesting young children. And from that day forward, the church has never been able to rebound 100%. Because you've seen what happened in our own area 
with the grand juries, uh, the number of things that are happening. Uh, and hopefully the church, we have our act together now and that people will learn to trust us again and trust the moral authority of the church, uh, the bishops, because right now it's, it's a whole different kind of church. Yeah. It's different. People just simply don't go anymore or people go and they're passive aggressive. They don't want to contribute because they figured the money's going off for lawsuits. Yeah. So it's a whole different church. Yeah. And it, and even when you're around young children and around young adults, and is what are people thinking about the priest or saying about the priest? Uh, and, and the priest who did those things that were found guilty, they deserve to be punished because that's a crime. Yes. They violated the young person. No more if it's a father, an uncle, a brother, a grandfather who molested someone. Absolutely. It's wrong. It's, yeah. a crime. it's a crime. We're all human in, yeah. in any profession in life or it, any type of person. It, you're going to have some people that are good right. and some that aren't that's quite right. as good as others. And it makes me angry. It makes me angry because sometimes we're, pay, we're painting with the same brush. But I think the church is different today. Uh, the church is different. Uh, you, you see grandparents wanting to have their grandkids baptized because the parents don't think it's all that important. Weddings that are now in destination locations, mm. the church isn't that important. Uh, funerals. We were just talking this morning, myself and uh, Father McLaughlin, the priest I live with, how many blessing services there are funeral homes anymore and not funeral services at church, any church. Yeah. It's, it's a whole different world today. Uh, and the church maybe has to reinvent itself to own the problems that we've done and say, now, here's how we're changing. And the only way in which people know there's real change in anything is through our behavior, through our actions, that we they see real positive changes that we have things in place to make our environments safe for children, mm -hmm. for kids. They're not going to be hurt, whether by a priest, a deacon, a catechetical teacher, a school teacher, a coach, Absolutely. anyone. You've seen today the the why uh, the Boy Scouts declaring bankruptcy because of the sexual abuse. So as you as you say, it's in every walk of life. It no, is. no one's immune from it. No, but you would think the last place it would happen is in the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, yeah. Because that's where we, we're in the business of educating young children. Yeah. And working with young people. Yeah. But I'm still excited. After 38 years, it's a, a joy to be with people to celebrate baptisms, weddings, funerals, uh, communions, confirmations, to be at a bedside when a family is all there praying with a spouse or a parent or child, and then they're going to be closing their eyes to see God for the first time. Uh, and so it's, 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 it, those are all moving experiences as a priest. I'll tell you, you know, uh, for myself, I always think when I see a priest, this is a highly educated man. This is a person that has a tremendous amount of knowledge and wisdom. Mm -hmm. and, and what they want to do is help us and share it with us. Mm -hmm. And admission is free. Which you can free. go into a mass. Any, any place. It's free. And, and there's multiple masses every day. Yeah. 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 And someone pointed out to me, a friend pointed out to me the other day because I said, you know, I, I really associate with Christianity. And I don't know where I picked up that thought or line. Uh, but then, you know, I went on to explain, you know, I was fortunate. I was born into a Catholic family. I grew up in a Catholic region. And that's why I'm Catholic. Exactly correct. However, what this friend pointed out to me, the difference is, is the Holy Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And and what she went on to say is, you know, it's in the Catholic Church that actually the body and blood, body and blood of Christ, scientifically, it's actually been proven 
That's Jesus. That's God. Yeah, the, the real exactly when the words of consecration. This is my must. This is my blood is prayed by the priest in the worshiping community. That bread and that wine are the body and blood of Christ. That's why we reserve it in the tabernacle. That's why people reverence it. It's it's Jesus Christ that lived and walked two thousand years ago. Yeah, what a miracle! It's a miracle every day at mass. Yeah, that yeah, that is a living yeah. miracle. Yeah. yeah, or to know that you can do a lot of things that maybe we're not proud of. You can go and say, "Hey, God, here's where I messed up. Here's what I did. I wasn't the best to my vows. I cheated somebody. Here's where I'm sorry, God, and be forgiven. And know that you know what the slate's now clean. You can yeah. start off again yeah. and begin again, begin again." the sacrament of reconciliation yes absolutely so the church i mean the church the catholic church uh, offers so many wonderful ways in which we can experience god at different times in our life yeah and, and it still amazes me that you know you're welcome to go to any one of those masses they anyway. don't check your id they no. don't say you know are you 18 years of age or no. do you have your money in your pocket no not come at as all. you are come e as you everybody's are. welcomed here absolutely that's why uh, the theme in our parish this year we have a large mural on the back of the wall it's a homeless man with wings and the whole point is from the book of hebrews be kind to strangers because you may just be entertaining an angel wow that's show great. them hospitality yeah wow that's so true it, it is true you never know yeah he, he can be coming testing you yeah and, and, you know uh father can you give can you give me five minutes of your time maybe it's an an angel in disguise to see do you really live? Are you really living out the gospel, or just preaching it, not living it? And you know, Father, you could probably see in parishioners' eyes oftentimes when you could see something's wrong, something's not right. That's right. Just the way the way they carry themselves, or the yeah. way they look at you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, mean, I, I had a situation of the day where I, I I sensed that with a woman who came up for communion, and I said to her afterwards, "Everything all right? She said, no, it's not okay. Not okay." She said, I, I found out my husband has a secret life. Oh dear God! Yeah, and I, I'm the last to find out, she said. And so, you want to talk? Yeah, I want to talk. Yeah, you're right. When you know people, because you can't hide, the eyes tell a million stories. Yeah. The pain, the joy, the happiness, the way they carry themselves, their lips are quivering. Yeah. Or they're crying. Yeah. They're outright crying. Yeah. They're in church. They're staying after with their head down, and they're saying, hey, I, I need your help, God. This is where I need help. Yeah. And I'm powerless. And you got to surrender. Yeah. And you know, reach out to people. Yeah. And no more than yourself when you were going through. I found the people who came out and said, hey, look, at I've been through what you've been through. Let me talk to you. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about each other. You need any help with this. Yeah. So people are, people are basically very good and kind. And people want to help people. People want to reach out to people. People want to show people hospitality. There's room in my life for you. Yeah. Come on in. Share what you want to say. Not, people don't want answers. They don't want platitudes. They want someone to hold their hand. Someone to say, it's okay to cry. It's okay to say, I'm afraid. I'm anxious. I'm worried. Go ahead and get it out. Yeah. And and you, and you don't have to be a priest to do that. No. You don't no. have to be a priest. No. I'll tell no. you, I'll never forget uh, a time in my life. I always have a book stand. I always have a book on top of my book stand. One morning I woke up opened up to a passage, and it read, and it's an indelible impression in my mind, I don't read enough of the Bible, I certainly can't, cannot quote Bible verse, but this one 
uh, stuck in my mind, and it read like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Mm -hmm. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. And I'll tell you, I've run into a number of people and shared that with and slowly spoke it through mm -hmm. because at, they were at a point in their line where they lacked trust. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I went on to say, trust. Think of the strength of that word, that first word. Yeah. Who are you going to trust? In the Lord. How much? With all your heart. With all your heart. 100%. And then lean that on your understanding. Your understanding is why you're in a predicament. Acknowledge him, meaning God, simply saying, God, can you help me? And he will be the person that directs your path. Wow, how powerful is that? Sure, because that was the message of Jesus. Come to me. Yeah. Bring it to me. And he went to them. And they sought him out. And they knew he could do it. And we prayed all the time. Give me today my daily bread. In other words, help me make it through this day. Only say the word I need to hear to be healed. And let God match the hurt with the word. Yeah. And maybe you're afraid. He's, he matches it. You're confused, you're anxious, you're worried, you're upset. Only say the word, God, and I will be healed. Wow, that is powerful. Yeah, and 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 and, and simply ask to give me what I make, give me my daily bread. Give me today. Tomorrow may never come. Today I've never seen before. But say the word that I need to hear to be healed. Yeah. And then listen. And sometimes we don't listen. See, God can't be heard if our mind's always scrambling. Right. Listen. Get the clutter out of your head and listen as God speaks. And sometimes maybe the word's not what you want it, we want to hear. No. Maybe God is saying, you need more patience with your wife. You gotta be more understanding to your husband. You gotta be more tolerant with your children. And maybe the word is you gotta forgive. You gotta stop hold, holding on to things. You, you gotta enjoy. So I always say, be careful what you ask for from God because you may just get it. Mm-hmm. And, and be ready when and be ready when it, and sometimes you're a parent sometimes god may say no you're not going to get that you said no to your children because mm -hmm. you know the bigger story and god may say no i'm not going to answer that prayer right now it, you're not ready i think you hit it and i had it and, and it may be right now yeah you're not ready for that you're not ready you're you're, too, you're still too angry you're not patient enough when you're ready i'll supersize your prayer yeah. i'll make it big for you yeah it's not that god denies it it's that God delays it mm. until you're ready. Mm -hmm. you gotta grow, you, you got to grow out of always being angry, always flying off the handle, always having the last word, always being mad at people, always fighting, always causing trouble, always giving the silent treatment. Once you grow out of that bad behavior, then God maybe will say, go, here's the prayer now. Now I know I'm going to give it to you. You weren't ready for it then. Yeah. You can't handle it. Yeah. What you're asking for, you don't need. I got something better in mind for you. Yes, I hear you. And, and, and then to listen. You know, I say to people, take the word listen. Unscramble it. It spells the word silent. When you're quiet, you can hear God speak to you. Wow. He can't speak through all the rubble, all the noise, all the clutter. He speaks in the silence of our heart. Tell me something. So uh, what I've recently started doing is every morning meditating. Mm-hmm. And, and prior to this 20 minutes of meditation, I was uh, at a point where I was able to go to Mass every day. Mm -hmm. Right now with uh, my uh, immune system being mm -hmm. compromised, I can't have that. Mm -hmm. I don't have that luxury. But I do pray, and I, I do uh, have that silent per period of time in which I'm uh, meditating. As a priest, do you find yourself meditating, or would you say that prayer is a form of meditation? Well, 
prayer is a form of meditation, but we think prayer is prayers to rosary, station of the cross, novena, but prayer is also silence. It's just sitting there saying, here I am, Lord, help me. And then meditating, listening, or saying your favorite words over. Jesus, have compassion on me. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, help me. Come to me. And saying it over and over. And then allowing ourselves to be quiet so God's gentle voice can speak to our heart. Because a lot of times we're, we're uncomfortable with silence. We got to always be, have the radio on, the television on, the stereo on, or the, the CD player, some stereo, no more stereo, mm-hmm. the, the M3 player, whatever you yeah. hear today. Right. But silence, God speaks in silence. And meditating, meditating is a great thing because it centers your life. Yeah. And you say to the Lord, I need the strength to get through today. Yeah. Today I have to make some decisions. They things are going to happen. Whatever happens, help me get through it. And then to watch how God acts through all that stuff. Yeah. And he does. All prayers go answered. But sometimes the answer isn't what we want to hear. Okay. Sometimes God is saying, no, I'm not giving you that. Just as a parent says to a child, no, I'm, I'm 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 not buying you a car. Right. No, you don't need that. Here's what you need. Mm. You're not ready to have that yet. You're not responsible yet. When you are, I'll give it to you. And God's saying, "You, I'm saying no because you have to grow. And once you grow, I'll say go. Wow. And now the prayer will happen. Wow. And so that, I mean, God doesn't, it's not that God doesn't answer prayers because we think, well, I've done all these things. I go to church. I light candles. I say the rosary. You got to give me what I need, and God says, "No, I don't." No, no, because what you need, what you're asking for, you don't need. Mm-hmm. What you want, you need. You need, you don't want it. I know what you need. I made you. I created you. I know every single molecule in you. Yeah. So I know what you need, and yeah. that's not what you need right now, and you're not going to get it. You know, one of the things that you just touched on, and I recently read, is when you think of this. That God is in you. Mm-hmm. He created you. Mm-hmm. And he's within you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, to me, that's an incredibly powerful feeling to feel like, well, I have God inside of me. Well, it's like the little girl who was with her grandfather, and he had a well in the back of the yard. And the little girl said, Grandpa, you're a pretty smart guy. Can you tell me where God lives? He said, sure, look at the bottom of the well. What do you see? I only see myself. That's where he lives. We are the image of God. Wow. He yeah. lives in us. Wow. That is powerful. It is. It is. Yeah, because we didn't come off any assembly line. We are wonderfully and fearfully made by God in his image. You know, uh, we're God's child. I mean, you're no different than the CEO of a company. He may have a bigger position but we still have the same royalty and dignity because we're kings and queens. Wow. Because we're made in God's image and likeness. So now we're coming into the Lenten season. Mm-hmm. What happens at the church at this time? Well, we'll do uh, Ash Wednesday, which will kick off Lent. And then throughout the season of Lent, we'll have Station of the Cross, Mass every day, which we always do. But then we'll add a few extra things, uh, a parish retreat, 
we're looking to bring uh, Vince Ambrosetti back uh, for it. And uh, Soup and Story every Monday night. Wow. Uh, and, of course, then we have the, the Eighth Sacrament every Tuesday night, bingo. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep it Catholic. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's a great parish. I feel so blessed to be there. We, we are blessed to be there. Conception we are Church. blessed yeah. to be there. People are wonderful. They're supportive. They worship, and hopefully we continually grow together in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to thank you very much for coming today. Thank you for the honor, Bob. I really appreciate it, Father. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for tuning into this episode. And you could always reach me at bob.adcroft at gmail.com. Uh, if you like what you heard today, shoot me a review. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Tune in again. We'll have another episode soon. Thank you.